Welcome to Simply Well, the podcast about living and working in education. I'm your host, Daniel Atkins, and with me in the studio today is Dave Tardiff and Doug Panko. Both are friends of the show and colleagues of mine here at Vanier. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> today we want to hear your stories and to learn from your perspectives in the struggle of balancing your careers with your health and well-being. Welcome to Simply Well. Let's start with you, Dave. Dave, tell us about yourself and why wellness is important to you. Okay, my name is Dave. Obviously, I've been here teaching at Vanier. This is my 14th year. Uh, I teach chemistry and math. So, uh, why is wellness important to me? Because you're not mentally well, it's going to affect your job. It's going to affect your relationships, uh, both personal and at work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why wellness uh, is very important. Yeah. And Panko, tell us about yourself and why wellness is important to you. Well, um, I've got a year on Dave here. Uh, it's my 15th year. I taught longer than that. Previous life was in Regina. Well, I, I certainly believe in uh, fundamentally in mind, body, spirit, and wellness encompasses all of that. The importance of wellness is kind of how you function day to day, you know, how you feel on the inside is how you oftentimes project on the exterior sometimes, yeah. but you certainly have to be, kind of find that, that important point, I guess, uh, in terms of wellness to just do our jobs more effectively. Yeah. Speaking about trying to do our jobs well, uh, we've had a big challenge here with COVID. Uh, maybe Doug, you can start us off. Tell us how that has had an impact. Well, those two years that it's been, boy, you, you look back and it seems like 20 years in some ways. There's been such a, an evolution of how we responded and how things have evolved both medically and socially and even from a, a government policy perspective, just so much in two years. I think initially the, the biggest hurdle for me was just how you miss that social interactiveness of just being with other people and it's not sufficient just to talk or to zoom but you just miss that just that that human contact and dialogue yeah at first zoom was kind of entertaining and fun a bit of a novelty you got to do lots of joking yeah. around but yeah it got old yeah and i i discovered that i'm more i always knew i was a social creature but uh, i just didn't function well working from home that just you know albeit it was a fortunately a short stint but it's not for me coming back was certainly refreshing yet it had its challenges of just functioning within the classroom what was your biggest challenge coming back um well i I think realigning with kind of the different structure of our day and i didn't mind it certainly in terms of the uh the block system but i think i just had to kind of recalibrate in terms of not so much what i taught but the pacing of what i taught Mm -hmm. I think uh, equally dealing with the volume of absences of students and kind of almost the never-ending day, you know, just in terms of we're just constantly, you know, in teacher mode here, trying to stay on top of things and keeping, you know, students on track and getting caught up. But it's been taxing. It's been very taxing. I I think uh, maybe I speak for a lot of teachers when I say that I'm starting to feel it. Yeah. I'm starting to feel it. Yeah. Um, Physically and psychologically, I think we're just exhausted and I'm, I'm ready for June. Uh, I'm shutting it down, but I'm ready for June. No, yeah. for sure. I, I feel like we've been in constant transition. Yeah. And eventually that wears you down. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, and it's a constant balancing act between, 
your professional life, but your personal life. And yeah. just one thing with COVID, it doesn't discern the two. And no. so we're in COVID mode when we're in away from school. We're in COVID mode when we're at at school. <sighs> yeah. What yeah. you, Dave? Uh, pretty much the same thing uh, for the past two years. Initially, with our COVID being at home, that was not enjoyable. I did look forward to coming back. You know, from the March when we had to isolate to coming back into September, I did. And I knew there can have to be some new adjustments. And I found for a lot of people, including me, it was almost like first year teaching. It was a whole new platform on how we had to teach. Uh, yes, it's the same stuff, but the way you taught it, you probably couldn't do it the same way. Especially with the delivery method. How much do you teach in a day? Having a constant pacing. How do you pace a semester into six weeks or seven weeks? That was the biggest challenge. Mm. On top of that, dealing with uh, both an online presence and an in-class presence, that was a very, very juggling act right there because you're going to have some kids who have to isolate. And so you had to deal with adverse incidents, especially at the end of our I guess first COVID year of school, where it was very taxing, very delicate balance, trying to do both kids at home and at school. But I did look forward to our current year, going back to the semesters, kind of breaks things up. You wanna say going back to the norm with that, but still COVID still exists. There's still issues that kids being missing absent. So, the balancing out again, trying to get those back. And uh, with the kids you're dealing with, I'm looking forward to, again, the new year, uh, school year, but you don't want to always look for new year. You want to always look for a present and you're missing on a time. That's my philosophy. Mm. But I'm interested to see how things evolve. Yeah. Do we get back to the norm before? Yeah, it will be interesting what we keep from the COVID times, what we've learned from it, and what we are, maybe even expectations. Like, I appreciate, during COVID time, the expectation that you could be good teacher in person and online at the same time really felt like we were doing two jobs at once, like an online teacher and teaching. Because of the restrictions, I felt like you couldn't do either of them very well. We're just not online teachers. We don't have all the resources up online and ready for the students. And in person, just with the restrictions with COVID, all the activities that you had planned before where it puts people in groups, you could no longer do. You had to modify them to separate, you know, like that kind of thing. So I feel like that pressure to be a good online teacher and in-person teacher, I think that also is pretty heavy, pretty heavy burden. And I think it was also heavy on the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know hearing from some being on the computer all day is hard enough for them. Yeah. And the attention span to do that would have been very difficult. That's where I prefer them being in class. Boom. You got their attention. They're in person. There's no hiding or anything. You're right there. And yeah. that's where I prefer kids are in class and online because I believe some kids still need to learn how to learn. Because mm-hmm. when you're working online, you're teaching yourself. But... We got to get them to learn how to learn in order to learn on their own. Yeah. Because we're almost kind of expecting them to be university students doing online classes. And it's not for everyone. So I wasn't yeah. a really huge fan of the online presence. Because there are some kids who just 
struggle fact. Yeah. It's totally natural. Just like any other teachers who struggle with an online presence. What do you think right now is one of the most important needs for teachers? The well, needs. I think, you know, one thing I reflect on is COVID revealed is how vulnerable we are as a human race collectively and, and how small the world is. And I know it's a cliche, but secondly, our generation is so used to everything working, fitting, functioning as it should be. As it should and be. And then suddenly <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. And COVID we were faced with these realities of what we've always known we can't continue to do. So suddenly we had to make these changes, and change isn't easy. So we had to react. Students had to react. And thinking back to previous generations and, you know, our ancestors and so on, change was a constant, be it immigration or, you know, whatever it was they were faced in society. You know, I think of my grandparents and world wars and my parents living through world wars and, and so on. We've had, relatively speaking, such stability. And then suddenly this happens. Yeah. So as teachers within our profession, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to just work perfectly. So we had to come up with solutions or answers to situations that we didn't necessarily have the answers to. So it was, to some degree, trial and error. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to, to the point now is, I think we've learned a lot in two years. Mm -hmm. Well, what do teachers need? Well, I think we crave stability again, just want something constant to get back to that sort of uh, things working as they should be. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, we are adaptive creatures. I mean, you wouldn't teach unless you weren't adaptive. But having said that, the fatigue starts to set in as all the energy that we've been <laughs> exerting towards these constant set of adapting and, and so on so I think it's it's certainly stability is that kind of what you're looking for too like you're hoping for a more stable setup or maybe structure for us to enter into right. coming in the future here or yeah is there something also that okay the system needs stability but do you need something different mm -hmm. or is it also stability well, I think what I've realized over the, these two years is certainly how supportive our environment is. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, be it administration or coming together as colleagues and, and, you know, parents understanding and so on. doesn't mean there haven't been some hiccups along the way, but I think both students and teachers have shown this adaptability. Just back to my original comment is looking forward to next fall when we can just hopefully yeah. be in a nice structured environment. We will do as we need to do. So, I mean, if we're hit with another wave of something, then you know, we have to do yeah. as we do. But professionally and personally, um, what would make you the best version of yourself at this point in time? And Tardif, I'm going to ask you that <laughs> next. So It's grinding. It's grinding. Yeah. I think getting back to a point from an organizational perspective, just in terms of being able to go into the school year with that stability and then just really hit the ground running as opposed to the what if mm -hmm. or what now. <laughs> so there was such inconsistencies over the last two years that it was difficult to really be at the top of your game because you're constantly in adaptive mode. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, to be the best person I can be, best professional I can be is to certainly be able to, you know, get my planning in motion and to know that 
that's going to be uh, you know kind of set me up for the with the following yeah. school year. Because you put in a lot of effort to plan, mm -hmm. and you're planning under this this idea, and then if it everything gets if the rug gets pulled out from under your feet, then yeah, you're just like, okay, what do I do with all this all these great ideas I had, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that gets discouraging too. And I think we also have to reevaluate where we've been, but where are we going? You know, I realize society can't unring a bell here, so we've made changes, and a lot of changes are here to stay. Mm -hmm. And that in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. But I think as well, we've got to kind of reestablish our expectations of ourselves, but certainly of students, that we need people back in the classroom, that, you know, remote learning is difficult for everybody concerned and we just need people back in the classroom and hopefully COVID will allow us to do that to the degree that we don't, you know, keep having people coming and going. Because I think that's that's been difficult for everybody. So, yeah, to be, sure. you know, that just revisits it. We just need to reestablish, I think, educationally what we're about and, you know, what our expectations of, of, of the students and ultimately that, yes, they need to be here. Yeah, I feel like that could lead into a much deeper, longer mm -hmm. conversation. Dave, what do you need to be your best self at this time? Uh, just as uh, Franco said, a bit of uh, a stabilization, if you want to say. It's almost like going back to a norm. Maybe we need to develop something where we have a stable system, a stable process that we have. Because uh, we have all these obviously during COVID, these different platforms we had to create to help teach our expectations of what we want our students to do. But obviously things are changing now. We're stepping away from that COVID isolation, going back to, I guess, more uh, contact. But you almost want to get to a point where we can really get back to having the ability to challenge our students. Yeah. But also setting a stable expectations that we need to reestablish because it's something obviously in-house for us we've been talking about but it's also something that the kids need kids need some structure stable structure of expectations of what they can cannot do or what's expected of them mm -hmm. and I think that's for me as a teacher that I can know because kind of going into it every once a week what do we do here what do we do there yeah. uh, you're not able to be efficient as possible. Some weeks you might be, some weeks you're not. We want to make sure all the teachers are also on board, are all stable. And I think that will alleviate a lot of stress of the unknown or just constant preparation. We can actually really focus on teaching the class. Yeah. But looking back, uh, I have to say overall general experience, admin, staff, colleagues, teachers, parents. It's been, from my experience, it's been good. Everyone's been really understanding, compassionate, and it's a unknown territory. For me to be the best teacher, I get back to reestablishing things. Yeah. With that, you can move on to a balance of your own life, of what you want to do. How much do I want to commit to coaching? How much do I want to commit to teaching, to a social life? personal yeah. life and so on well, do we want to talk about that balancing act that we do with extra cur and with teaching remember we went through a time where we had no extra cur and you kind of get a sense of what it feels like just to teach 
Can you tell us about your experience there? Uh, I would have to say it's a very, very weird experience because, you know, committed not just to school, extracurricular activities directly, but also the public clubs. It was different. I wouldn't say I always had entirely free time during the COVID times because there was still a lot of preparation mm-hmm. and also a lot of mental recharging that I had to do with that because with our block system we had, there was some long days yeah. when you teach a block in the morning and the afternoon. The dreaded um, double block. Yeah, double yeah. block. Also, uh, even if you have the single block, you're still doing a lot of preparation just for that one so you can actually do a good job with it. Yeah, it did bring things back into perspective. You know, how much do I really totally commit? It gave me a perspective that I've done a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, and everyone else has done a lot, especially here at Vanier, with everyone committing to so much. But I have to say it was kind of nice at first. You know, okay, yeah. not having that additional responsibility, but just focus on the class uh, was really nice. But obviously, it kind of was good because at that time you had to fully commit to teaching and preparing your lessons. Yeah. Because it was always a, a constant struggle or a challenge. Yeah, that transition took a lot of prepping time for sure. But yeah. I am happy back at it, coaching. And what are you coaching this year? Uh, well, we did football and basketball and now in club basketball. I find it's a lot of reteaching because yeah. a year off with these kids, they miss a year. It's trying to get the traction back into it. And yeah. it's giving me a lot of uh, growth and development with kids in all sports. Yeah. And trying to get kids back into it. That's also another challenge. Not just relearning the sport, but once you were all of a sudden not doing it, but you kind of dropped off and trying to pull them back in. There's definitely the temptation to be inactive for those two years. Yes, exactly. And uh, to, yeah, to get back to being active is not so easy for everyone, so yeah. for sure. Doug, tell us about your extracur experience, the especially the going from no extracur back to extracur, and maybe also highlight why you think I'm just assuming this, but why you think extracurricular is actually important? Well, it, it you know when your career is defined in, in a lot of different ways, and certainly mine has you know it's been yes you're the classroom teacher, but at the same time you have a big chunk of your teaching career is the extracurricular, and I've always said that you know getting to know students outside the classroom always helped me in the classroom. So I found that different to say the least, not having those connections basically for two years. You know, you miss it. As time consuming as extra is, you do miss it. And I, I guess we're just teachers, we're just wired differently, I suppose, in that respect. Um, so I certainly welcomed it back this past season. It, it was nice to get into that, that routine, that rhythm of, of, you know, you teach and then you're on the field and uh, it just... Well, I, I, it, it defines my teaching year. You know, before I know it, it's November, and then, you know, and then your opinion year is back for Christmas break. And of course, I'm involved with curling as well. But my, you know, when when extra cur is on, I find the year goes just races by sometimes because you're just you're always measuring week to week the next game and and so on. For you personally. You went from no extra cur, we all did, yeah. to now option to have extra cur. And how do you feel like your approach is different or maybe it is the same as before? How do you feel about it now? Well, one thing I found not doing extra cur is I didn't have that outlet uh, in terms of 
uh, oftentimes dealing with the pressures of, of teaching and just personal life and being a dad and everything else. Not necessarily that it's overwhelming, but it's just nice to be able to be on the field or a sheet of ice and for that period of time, I'm not worried about, I'm not thinking about my teaching, my family, I'm just focused on that moment in terms of what I'm coaching. And I think, uh, for me anyway, extracurricular is, uh, you talk about, um, you know, the whole mindfulness part of things, I think it's healthy in the sense that you, you do take that mental break from all the rigors of everything else. Granted, coaching brings upon sometimes its own challenges at times and stresses, but uh, it's a different kind of stress, I think. It's just... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Sorry, your question again? No. <laughs> You've answered my question quite nicely. So, um, If I may, just one last thing is, yeah. um, you know, I have always found that coaching allowed me to be a better teacher and a better parent in the sense that it was that outlet and then you, you just sort of come home and you're just much more relaxed, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think, uh, you know, I think that is important. There's another aspect to our teaching career that it's yeah. not just purely, purely academic. Yeah, so I would say speaking as a student, when thinking back myself, when I went to high school, the things I remember the most, I have the most cherished memories about, are extracurricular things. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that I don't appreciate all the other classes and learning how to learn and being academic, but... Yeah, my highlights were always like it's the time you soccer. spend with your peers. Yeah, you know, yes, you and know, you're you're building relationships that are yeah. unique. You're yeah. able to be yourself more than maybe in the classroom, and I think it's a very important part of learning. Yeah. And it's a different dynamic too, as part of our uh, part of our day to day teaching, because you're relating to your colleagues and to other friends in that sport. And yeah, it's different for you on that given yeah. time. So I yeah, I'm really hoping that we can manage to bring it back in a healthy way but still respect the need for all of us to have a balanced life around extra cur and you really realize how much you miss the extra cur and i i know you know selfishly for myself Mm -hmm. uh, with the girls not being able to defend the soccer provincial championship and i know that you know for my daughter was it was a tough transition in the fall to come back and soccer wasn't happening and changes were afloat and, and walk systems were in place yeah it, it was just it was tough it yeah was a tough transition for her but i know for you know for all her classmates um but you do realize the importance of extracurricular yeah you know and when it's not available you feel it yeah you and they really do like and, and having a season for each one of them is nice because there's a point part of the year where you don't have it and so you're kind of anticipating the next year and for us, like you said, with soccer, we were like, okay, this is, you know, we did really well the year before. We won provincials. And then our team was that much older. We lost a couple in grade 12. But other than that, we had the same. That was not easy. And that's the same with a lot of the other yep. sports, too. The same yep. sort of thing happened. And you can't get that back. You can't get it back, no. It's gone. I think a lot of kids uh, realize how you take for granted the, all, all the activities you can yeah. do. And, and I really did sympathize the grade 12s who, when COVID started, they kind of lost all the things that, you know, wind down at the end of the year, the memorable things, like he said. And especially even for the following the COVID year block years, where I felt bad for the kids. All they did was just come to school and leave. Yeah. There was nothing. There was no connection. It was just... Not lively, and I don't think that's a really good experience for those kids. 
you know, and you almost feel like you're robbed of it. And that's where this year you want the kids to have it. It's almost like you're going to have to wait till we kind of restart things and recondition kids, you know, back into not being isolated, but more lively. Yeah. With uh, doing activities, but. Yeah, it goes a long way. Like when when all the students are playing sports or not just sports, but all extracurricular, you know, doing one acts or a play or, you know, robotics or go-karts, whatever it is. Yeah, just our whole student body is just that more um, healthy, I guess, and more engaged. And they got things to talk about, right, that are not just about what they did in physics or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah, school is important, but... Kids are not going to remember oxidation reduction lesson from me, no, we're not. We're going to remember uh, memorable classes, you know, something exciting happening, or, you know, extracurricular. That's that's where, let's just say, the real growth really comes out. Yeah. Because uh, uh, in the classroom, we're going to set boundaries, parameters, but when you do extracurricular, those boundaries are really pushed aside, you know, more chance of growth. Yeah. But they will remember the first four Prime Ministers of Canada, I'm sure. <laughs> well, as long as you yell it at them, I think that's the important thing. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, one last thing, one last question. How do you celebrate your accomplishments, success? How do you celebrate? I know, Dave, you've got a birthday coming up here. How do you celebrate your birthday? Uh, I, I would say that's an accomplishment, whether, whether it be mild or not. Oh, and every year around the sun. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you know, when you get to my age, it kind of gets a little old. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's uh, it's not that I'm just very uh, down on it, but, you know, birthdays are birthdays, you know. Yeah. And uh, for me, it's just, okay, that's good. But uh, I'm not totally excited about it. My 40th, yeah, I was last year. Yeah. But I guess until I reach my 50th. I probably won't be like, oh my, it's my birthday. <laughs> you know, it's my 50th. And not, uh, not too many people are super over the moon about turning 41. But you know but what? It's uh, when it comes to me, it's birthdays for myself. I'm just, I don't need much. I'm not going to be, okay, let's go party out of a town. No, it's like all I need is a good supper, a good cake, and uh, that's all. Nice. Well, that's pretty I, much I wish. how I celebrate. I hope you have the, all those things. We can make that happen. How about you, Doug? What do you do to celebrate your accomplishments, your success? Daniel, I celebrate birth week, okay? <laughs> nice. Okay. All week, hey? That keeps it open so there's no disappointment. <laughs> so if someone forgets your birthday, don't worry. It's my day. It's, it's, your, it's your day, but it's also the rest of the week, too, hey? <laughs> um, you know, much to what Dave has said, I guess birthdays come and they go. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoy just certainly enjoy the people acknowledge it and family and friends and, and you know, it's kind of nice in that manner and you know I'm uh, maybe to some people quite surprisingly uh, as as brash and loud as I am I'm actually quite a private person and uh, I, I don't like to draw a lot of attention to me and successes mm-hmm. I, I think I've had some wonderful successes in life and, and I, first my kids you know as you get older it's more about others I find it's just about yeah. the kids and about other people it's you know accomplishments you know I'm proud of my education I'm proud of the opportunities I've been afforded in my touring and where I've been able to go travel wise but yet people often say why don't you post things why don't you use your Facebook and say where you're going and I don't know it's just I was talking to the kids about it today I said that 
we were talking about social media in class, and I just said, it's just not me. I, mm -hmm. I said, it's just not me. Uh, it's proud to talk about things, but I, I, I just, I don't know, I just fly mm -hmm. under the radar. I yeah. really do. Uh, honestly, I'd rather just divert and talk about somebody else, you know, I, rather than me. Yeah, I feel you on that one because I, I find for my own birthdays, okay, my birthday's in September, start of the school year, it's not the time to really be celebrating birthdays. It's kind of like mm -hmm. it's an, an anti-birthday almost, uh, just the timing of it. But yeah, I, I'm actually okay if people forget my birthday, but I like to bring the hype for other birthdays or other successes. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're saying there. Is Absolutely like, with you. You'll, you'll be loud and brass when it comes to, uh, yeah. <laughs> when it comes to other people's birthdays. Canadian and other, history. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, and I, I too, I like to bring that hype bring the celebration, go over the top, yeah. maybe embarrass people a little bit. It's pretty yeah. fun. But yeah, I feel it's a lot more fun to honor other people than to, mm -hmm. to seek that for yourself. Maybe but, I, I turn uh, into shy guy when it's my own birthday. Hmm. <laughs> I think to just add to it, you know, when we're kids, let's be honest, we think about ourselves. What presents are we going to get? Yeah. How much money we're going to get. But as we get older, just like how you like to direct to different people, Doug, and you, uh, Daniel, you like to make it extravagant, have some fun. I think it becomes more of just being around with people. That's yeah. all. Yeah. You know, it's, that's what. And just as you get just older, another excuse to be with people. You know? Yeah. And as you, you know, get older. You don't care what you get. It's critical. Like, just, yeah. Well, that's what COVID taught us is just that not being around yeah. people. And, yeah. That human connection is, oh. yeah, it's important on Absolutely. so many levels. I want to thank you both for You're being welcome. my guests today and sharing with us. Tune in next week for another episode of Simply Well. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs>